Please take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we'll be glancing at that this morning for a few moments. I want to do a public service announcement for any men who are out in the congregation today and to remind you that today is February 13th and you have one more day and hopefully that this is not the first time that you have remembered that and that you have already made some plans for tomorrow. Uh, I remember my first Valentine's Day with Jen. Uh, we had been dating for almost a year at that point and uh, at, at, at that point we had we'd been together for 11 months and and uh, I, I was in love. I uh, I couldn't help myself. I, uh, I loved her, and we had already talked about marriage, and, and uh, so this was our first Valentine's Day is when we were in college, and, and I, was just, I was just excited, and so I, I wanted to do something special for her. I, I loved her and wanted to show her how much I loved her, so uh, I told her, you know, we're going to go do something special, and, and so I told her, you know, wear, wear a nice dress, and I, I wore I think what was my only suit uh, at that point, and uh, we, we were at Cumberland, so there's, there's absolutely nothing to do in Williamsburg, and, and so we drove down to Knoxville, and I had these plans. I was going to take her out to a nice restaurant, and we were going to, uh, to go uh, watch a play after that. And I, just, just, I wanted to show her that I loved her, and she's, she's sitting right there uh, listening to all this. Uh, and so I wanted to show her that I loved her, uh, and we left driving down there. It was just pouring the rain as we were driving. And uh, we got down into Knoxville to the first turnoff, and we're driving onto Kingston Pike, you know, down there, big, wide road, lots of lanes on it, uh, just pouring the rain. As soon as, as soon as I get off the interstate, I notice something is wrong with the car. I'm giving it gas, and it's revving up, and nothing is really happening. And so I'm like, okay, I'll just pull off into the first place I can. And so I found this just this is abandoned parking lot there, and I, I pulled off into this abandoned parking lot, and I was like, okay, honey, don't worry, I will check, see what, what's going on. And I, I, I pull, pull out there and glance under the car, and there is fluid just gushing out everywhere. And, uh, and so it's not moving at all, and it is pouring the rain on our first Valentine's Day. And so, so I said, well, I'll, I'll figure out what's going on. And so there's a gas station across the road of Kingston Pike. And it's pouring the rain. I'm in, in my nice suit and everything. And so I, I run across six lanes of traffic uh, in the pouring rain uh, in a black suit uh, to get, uh, get a flashlight from a, a gas station and come back across six lanes of traffic and, uh, and start looking, see if I can figure out anything I can do with the car. And, and it, there's nothing. It's shot. Transmission's gone. Uh, and so this is Valentine's Day night. Uh, and so I have to call a buddy of mine from Cumberland to drive down, come pick us up and so there's nothing we can really do and so we went walking down Kingston Pike until we could find a restaurant there, there's a Applebee's I think about 200 yards down the road and so we went to Applebee's and sat there and had our uh, had our first you know romantic Valentine's Day uh, <coughs> dinner together and uh, that is just a way of reminder men plan do something and women be understanding uh, if it doesn't work out, evidently everything worked out because she uh, accepted that I couldn't control that, and, and uh, that was our, our first Valentine's Day. Now, what in the world am, am I sharing that with you for? Uh, Valentine's Day really doesn't have anything to do with the church. Uh, it's a great holiday. Remember our, our love for our, our significant other. 
But the fact is that love has everything to do with the church. Love has everything to do with how you and I relate to one another and what God's word has commanded our relationship to be as the body of Christ. So look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is what's known often as the love chapter of the Bible. And if you have been to Christian weddings, you have probably heard this passage read. I think that every Christian wedding I've been to and every wedding that I've ever officiated, this passage has been read and, and uh, proclaimed to the, to the couple as they're standing up there. Uh, this, is, this is a good thing for young couples to hear about what love is supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like. But here's the thing. This passage was not written primarily to be about husbands, how husbands and wives are to relate to one another. That's not the primary context of this passage. The primary context of this passage is how you and I, as brothers and sisters in Christ, are to live and relate to one another. This is about the church and what the church is supposed to be and how we're supposed to love one another. We're commanded to love one another. Now I want you to stop for just a minute because I can guess what's going through the minds of some of you sitting there. Some of you are, are, are thinking, okay, I know this. I've heard this. I'm supposed to love one another. I've got that. I can check that off and I'm going to kind of sit here, tune them out and just kind of wait until I start seeing other people stand up and then I know it's my cue to pay attention again because we're getting ready to sing. I want to encourage you, don't tune me out. Don't tune out what I'm getting ready to say. Nothing, nothing this morning is going to be earth-shattering. You're, you're probably not going to hear some deep theology that you've, you've never heard before. But there's perhaps nothing that is more foundational for what we are to be and how we are to live together as Grace Baptist Church than the truth that we are to love one another. Perhaps nothing more foundational to our relationship together than that. And just maybe, maybe you're like me and you don't do that perfectly. Maybe you don't love absolutely perfectly. I mean, really, what does it mean to say that you are to love the person sitting beside you? What does it mean when Scripture says that, that I'm supposed to love Frank? What does it mean when it says that you're supposed to love Todd? How is that played out in our lives? Why is that so important? How is that supposed to drive what we do as Grace Baptist Church? Well, this morning I want us to ask two questions. Two questions that I want us to ask, and this text will answer for us. First question, what place should love have in the life of the body? In other words, how important should, be, uh, should love be for us? And the second question is, what does that love look like? Question number one, what place should love have in our life together as Grace Baptist Church? How important is that? Let's start at verse one. Verse one, we're going to read through verse three. Listen to what Paul says. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Paul talks about a lot of good things. And a lot of things that the church at at Corinth was almost obsessed with. He he talks about um, being able to to speak with the tongues of uh, of men and angels. This is uh, the Holy Spirit's giftedness to be able to to have a a strong ability with languages, to be able to speak them and understand them. And this is what the, the Corinthian church was focusing on. And he deals with also there the, the gift of prophecy. If I, says, if I have the gift of prophecy, the uh, ability inspired, moved by the Holy Spirit to be able to proclaim God's word with power. And if I have all knowledge, if I have a, a deep understanding of God's word and I'm able to, to have wisdom with how to, to live that out in day-to-day circumstances, if I have a faith that is absolutely unshakable, no matter the circumstance, no matter what is going on, if I have an unshakable faith, if I give everything I have to the poor. Remember the story of the rich young ruler uh, in the Gospels? How there's this young man who comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus tells him to, to go and sell all he has and give to the poor. And that man went away sad because he had many possessions. Now Paul is saying, now, now here's the man who says, yes, I will do that and gives away everything he has, sells it all, and gives it to the poor. And then, finally, a person who gives everything they have for the sake of the gospel. It says, surrendering my body to be burned. A person who does all this, even to the point of death. Now, if we met someone who is like that, who, who was doing all of that, we would say that this is the best of the best among Christians. We would say this is a man who is used of God. But then Paul says, if someone does these things but does not have love, it counts as nothing. Nothing. Now, how can that be? How can it be who somebody who does so much and yet it counts as nothing? Let's put this kind of in our modern context here today. All right, let's say that there is there's a young man who, who just has a, a passion for the Word of God. He loves it. He spends time reading it. He is constantly in the Word. And God grants him just this deep understanding of the Word. And he has wisdom of how to, how to apply that and live that out. And this is a young man that you think of that if you think about a question that you have about Scripture or what that looks like in daily life, you'd go talk to that young man. And this young man grows in his understanding of the Word, and he becomes a a teacher of the Word, and people begin to flock to him just to hear him teaching because he understands the Word, and he proclaims it in a way that is just captivating and right and true. And this man has such a, a passion for the Word, and it's just such an unshakable faith in God he, just, he decides that what he needs to do is to go and use his abilities, the talents that God has given him for the sake of the gospel. 
God has granted him ability with, with language, and so he can, he can study languages, learn them, and interpret languages. And so he, he goes to a far-off country where people do not have the word of God, so they, he can translate the word into their language. And he sells everything he has, and gives it all to the poor before he goes. And he goes to this dangerous country, and while he is there, he ends up being killed by the people there while he's attempting to translate the scripture into their language. If we heard about that man, that would be someone we would be telling stories about for centuries. Someone that people would remember for years and years and years, this great man of God who went and did all that. But then Paul says, if there is somebody who does all that but does not have love, it counts as nothing. It counts as nothing. How can that be? How can it be that all that would count as nothing? Profit him nothing. The answer is that God cares about the heart. God cares about the heart and the motivation, what drives a person. You see, everything that we do and here's the key. I want you to get this. Everything that we do, love is to be the ground. Love is to be what drives us as believers in what we do. Love should be what drives each of us as members of Grace Baptist Church in what we do. Calvin said this, the regulating principle of everything that we do, that a love for God and a love for people will be the supreme motivation to drive in everything that we do together. So in this passage, love would be what drives a person to use the gift of tongues. Love would be the motivation for teaching. Love would be the motivation for giving to the poor. Love would be the motivation for laying down your life for the purpose of the gospel. But here's the danger. Here's the danger for us today. It's the danger that we live right here in Somerset, Kentucky. And I don't, I don't mean danger in that your life's at stake here in Somerset. But I mean dangerous in that we live in a culture here in Somerset in which it's generally just expected that you'll go to church, that you'll be a part of church. Most of us have, have grown up in, this, in a, a church culture here in which it was just expected that we would be a part of church. And so that's just a part of what we have grown up with and what we have done. And so the danger is that everything that we do in church, everything that we do with the body, is routine. And that we just do stuff as grace just because that's what we've always done. You see, the danger is that we will come to this building for worship just because that's what we do. The danger is that you'll serve as a Sunday school teacher just because that's what you've done for years. Or that, well, there's a need, so I'll just go, I'll fill that position. The danger is that you've been a deacon for years, and it's just, you know, that's just what you do. You're a deacon. The danger is that you do some ministry, whatever it is, but it's just, it's just what I do. The danger is that we will be here as a member of grace, be involved at grace, 
but that we won't be driven by love in what we do. It's the danger that a teacher will walk into a class to teach it, but love won't be the motivation. It's a danger that you'll take up a ministry, but love won't be what drives you to do that ministry. And so, if there's anything that we do, but it's not driven by joy, by love, if love isn't the ground of what we do, Paul says it counts for nothing. And so I ask you to think right now, is what I do here at Grace Baptist, is my interaction, my life with the others here at Grace Baptist, is it driven by love? Is that what motivates me in everything I do here in this body? Love for God and love for one another. So think about that. Ask yourself that question. And I want you to hold that in the back of your mind. Hold that in the back of your mind as you think about that. Is love what's motivating you and driving you? You see, here's the thing. We can't really completely answer that question until we understand what love is. Remember I said we're going to ask two questions. What place should love have in the life of the body? And the second question is, what is love? And that's what Paul answers here for us in this passage. So I want you to, uh, to think about a few examples. I'm going to give you just a few examples. I'm just going to use my marriage uh, as an example. And you tell me if what I am saying is loving or not. And these aren't things I've actually done, by the way, uh, before I get uh, in trouble. <clears throat> Let's say that uh, I walk in after, uh, after getting off work, and uh, I see that Jen has just had a horrible day. Uh, it, is, it looks like she has been crying, and she's upset, and I don't know what has happened at home, but it has not uh, been good. And so I come in and see that, and I do my best to really try to just avoid and walk past and see if I can get past her without her saying anything. Now, is that love? No, that's, uh, that's far from it. Well, let's say that, uh, uh, that um, Jen just comes in from the grocery, and uh, she has a bag of groceries in one hand and, and another bag that's just kind of ripped and stuff's falling all along the, the floor, and she's got Caleb on one hip, and he is crying and screaming, and I'm kind of sitting there on the couch watching TV, and, and she says, uh, can, you, can you please help me? And I do my best to think about, is there any way I can get out of this right now? Is there something else I can do? No, I, I'm, I'm too busy. Maybe somebody else will help you. Is that love? No, no, I, I wouldn't think so. Uh, <coughs> that's not love. Well, let's say I walk in, and uh, I see Jen sitting on the couch, uh, and there's Caleb sitting with her, and, and I kind of glance at her, and I look, and I think, I know her. Well, what is her name again? What is, what's that little boy's name sitting beside her? Is that love? No. Now, see, love would have driven me to do what is good for her. Love would cause me to be concerned for her when she's crying. Love would lead me to step up to help her, to do whatever I could to meet her needs. Love would lead me to actually know her and have a relationship with her. See, love is something that, that acts. It does something. And that's what Paul points us to here in this passage, that love is something that acts out. That if you are a member 
of Grace Baptist Church, you are to be characterized by love that acts out, that does something. So listen to what Paul says uh, here, starting at verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And Paul gives us a picture here of love, not marital love primarily, but he is speaking about the love that you should have for one another. This is how your love for one another should be characterized. Now, here's the thing that I want you to get before we move on. The word that Paul uses here is the Greek word agape. It's it's a very special word. It's an important word uh, in the Greek language that means more than just a feeling. In our culture today, the primary thing that we think of when we think of love is we think of a romantic feeling. But that's not what this word means here. This word means something else. It means a, a, a dedicated uh, desire, commitment to work for the good of somebody else. John MacArthur puts it a, a good way. I want you to listen to what he says. He says that love is not a feeling, but it's a determined act of will, which always results in determined acts of self-giving. Love is the willing, joyful desire to put the welfare of others above our own. Now, I want you to hear that again because I believe it's that important. Listen to it again. It is not a feeling, but a determined act of will, determined act of your will to do something, which always results in determined acts of self-giving. It results in you giving of yourself. Love is the willing, joyful desire to put the welfare, the good of a fellow believer above your own, above yourself. Now, the best example of this is found in the love that God displayed to us. John 3, 16, the same word is used. For God so loves, for God so agaped the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting love. Love, he is speaking about a love that is committed, that is determined, that is self-giving for the sake, the welfare, the good of someone else. See, real love that Paul's talking about here, is this steadfast commitment to be self-giving, to to give of yourself, to be self-sacrificial for another person, for those in this room. Look at how this plays out, according to Paul. Listen to some of these things that he says. It says, love is a commitment. Remember that it's a commitment, this steadfast commitment to do something. It's commitment to, to be patient, so that you'll, you'll sacrifice your own desires, your own wants, your own frustrations, whatever it might be, so that you'll be patient with your fellow believer. It says that love will act in kindness. If there's a need, you have already committed that you are going to display love to this person by acting for the good of that person, for meeting their need. Paul says that love won't be jealous, it won't brag, it won't be arrogant, it won't act unbecomingly. Why won't it do those things? Because real love between brother and sister in Christ will always put the needs of the other first. So if that's the case, 
your heart is going to not be jealous. It's not going to brag. It's not going to be acting unbecomingly around your brothers and sisters in Christ. It won't keep any record of wrongs. If someone in this body has offended you, hurt you, done something against you, it, you won't keep a record of that wrong. You will do your best to never hold that against that person again. Love makes that kind of committed decision to let go of your own frustration, your own anger, whatever it might be, for the welfare, for the good of the other person. You'll rejoice with the truth. You'll bear all things. You'll believe all things. You'll do, endure anything for the sake of a member here at Grace or any other believer. Here's the bottom line. If you're going to have real love for the members here at Grace, for your fellow believers, it's going to take you committed, setting in your heart that I am going to act for the good of my fellow believers. Not that I'll sit on the sideline, not that I'll wait for somebody else to act, but that I will act for the good of my fellow believers. So love is something that we commit to do, something we dedicate ourselves to do. But there's another side of love. Flip over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 is where we're going to start. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. So we said that love is something that is an act of the will, that it's self-giving, and it's self-sacrificial for the good of your fellow believer. But then here's the other side of it. Listen to what Paul writes. Verse 9, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. So let love be without hypocrisy. So how, here's the question that comes up then. How can love be hypocritical? How can it that you could love somebody in a hypocritical way? Paul answers that question. Listen to verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. You can love in a hypocritical way by not being devoted to one another in brotherly love. You can be hypocritical in your love by doing something good, but not having actual brotherly love for that person. Now here, again, this is where we've got to go back to the, to the Greek word that undergirds that. The word there is a word that's used only this one time in the New Testament. And it's a word that literally means tender affection. It means tender affection. The affection that someone would have for their own family member. So Paul says there, be devoted to one another with tender affection. Now, let's start thinking about that in the context of the church. We are commanded in Scripture to have a tender affection for one another. You're commanded to have a tender affection for the person sitting next to you. You're to have a tender affection for the person sitting over here. I'm to have a tender affection for Art Crawford. I should have a tender affection for Pat. I should have a tender affection for Mark. That we are to be characterized by having this kind of heartfelt, actual feeling for one another. 
And so here's the question I want to ask you. Do you have tender affection for one another? Do you have tender affection for the person sitting beside you? Now, a lot of you, that's going to be a spouse or kid, so hopefully that'll be an easy one to answer. Do you have tender affection for the person sitting behind you? Do you actually have a heart that feels, that is affectionate for somebody in a totally different age range than you? If you're a senior adult, do you, do you have tender heart toward the youth? Students, you're believers, if you're part of this church, do you have a heart for those who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s? Do you have tender affection for those folks? Is that what drives you? Now remember, let's go back to the question I asked just a few moments ago. Is everything that you're doing as part of Grace Baptist Church being driven by love? Love for God and love for one another. In other words, is everything that you're doing, singing in the choir, doing ministry, coming to worship, whatever, is it being driven by a commitment to the good of the other people here and by a tender affection for one another? Do you have that kind of love for one another? Remember we said it's possible, it's possible to do a lot of things here at Grace. Be really active. Do some really good things, but not be driven by love. And Paul says if it's not driven by love, it counts as nothing. So when you speak to your fellow members, is it driven by love? When you go in to teach Sunday school, is it driven by love? When you gather here for worship, are you coming in driven by love for God and love for the people here? When you walk into this room, do you have a tender affection for the people who are here? If you have to miss and be gone, does your heart ache because you can't be with the people who you love? Is it, is it your heart aching like family isn't with you? Because we have been called as brothers and sisters in Christ, adopted into the same family. And I tell you, if part of my family wasn't with me, I would ache for them. I would miss them. And so if you can't be here, do you miss? Do you ache? Does your heart go out longing for the people here at Grace? You see, we can't be a church. We can't be Grace Baptist Church without that kind of love. Did, did you know that, that our church covenant, that, that thing that everybody agrees to, if you're going to be a member here, did you know that, that fulfilling that covenant can't happen without this kind of love that I'm talking about? I, I, I glanced through that just a few days ago, and it's amazing how many things in there can only happen with this kind of love that I'm talking about. Listen just to some of the things that are in our covenant. Our covenant says that you'll not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Part of the reason that we gather together is, is for our love for one another, not just in worship, but in other things that we do. So that's only going to happen through love. And to not ever gather together shows a lack of love. Can you imagine living right next door to a family member? Right next door and never seeing or talking to that family member? If you, if you love 
that person. You're actually going to be there talking to them and seeing them. You're not just going to maybe once every month or two walk by them and say, hey, how are you doing? If they're your family, you're going to want to be with them. Our covenant says that we won't neglect to pray for ourselves and others. That takes love. It takes love to be committed to praying for one another. Because the easiest thing to do is just to go about our day and not think about one another. But think about the people you love in your family. Do you ever think about your kids? Do you ever think about your parents? Probably. Because you love them. And so if we're going to pray for one another, it's going to take this committed heart, and it's going to take an affectionate heart for one another. It says uh, in our covenant that we'll exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other. Right there in our covenant is that word affection. Do you realize that in our covenant, if you're a member of grace, you have covenanted to be affectionate for one another, that your heart will actually go out and love a feeling of affection for your fellow members at grace? says that we will rejoice at each other's happiness and endeavor with tenderness and sympathy to bear each other's burdens and sorrows. The only way you're going to rejoice in somebody's happiness is if you really love that person. If your heart is committed to that person's spiritual good and if your heart is tender toward them. I was talking with, with dear brother and sister uh, of mine last night and told, they told me some, uh, some good news and, and Jen and I just rejoiced with them because we love them. But the same is true with bearing each other's sorrows. The only way that you will bear someone else's sorrows with tenderness, like the covenant says, the only way that will happen is if you have an affectionate heart for one another. And so that when someone goes through a painful, difficult time, then your heart breaks for them. But if you don't have love, then you'll hear about it and be like, it won't mean much to you. You may send some food or something, but your heart doesn't ache for them. That tender affection, that has to be there. Our covenant says that we will faithfully admonish and entreat one another as occasion may require. Now this, this takes love. This takes love to and treat one another and admonish one another. This is real love when this happens. You see, when there's someone in our body who is in sin and is turned away, then it takes love to go to that person and draw that person back. You see, the most unloving thing, catch this, the most unloving thing that we can do to someone who, a fellow believer who is in sin, is to do nothing at all. That is the most unloving thing that a church can do to a fellow believer is to just ignore it. Because when a believer is in sin, then they are being pulled away from Christ. And the body should come to that person and entreat and admonish to draw that person back. Let's say that someone hasn't attended grace in a year. An unloving act would just be to step back and not worry about it, not even think anything about that person. 
a heart that is dedicated to the welfare of that person will go to that person out of love and entreat, will you please come back? We miss you so much. You're a part of our family and you're not here. We want you back. And if that doesn't work, you go to them and say, what you're doing is wrong. It's sin that you're separated from us and you're not with us. And if you have to, you go through all the way what Matthew 18 says because you love that person and want the best for them, even if it goes all the way to the point of removing somebody from fellowship with the body, membership of the body. Because if somebody just refuses to come, it may be pointing to the fact that they're not believers. And we need to say, look, we see a problem there. And because I love you, I'm going through this and doing this. Because I want you to be restored or I want you to recognize that you don't know God. That's love. And that's love for the purity of the body because we want to protect the body. And we have probably dozens of people here at Grace who I haven't seen in months, if not years. Have we reached out to them in love and say, I entreat you, come back. And as our covenant says, admonish them if they don't. It takes love to do that. Now, none of us are perfect at this. If you're like me, you're far, far from perfect in this. That love is one of those things that, that we may struggle with, that I struggle with. So what do we do? What do you do if you, if you find yourself that, that you've been in a, a teaching position or a ministry or you've been doing something and you've not been driven by love? Should you quit? What, what if you find that you, you just have a personality that you struggle with, with feelings of affection? So should you just resign yourself and say, that's just the way I am. I can't do anything about it. So should you quit? Should, should you just say, I can't do anything about it? I say no. Don't quit. Don't say you can't do anything about it. Here's what you should do. And here's what I think each of us need to do. Number one, we need to pray that God will grant us love for the body. See, love is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that the Spirit works in us. So we need to pray, God, grant me a love for the body. Grant me to have a heart that is for the good, the spiritual good of the people here. God, grant me a tender affection for my brothers and sisters in Christ here. Second thing, remember Christ. Remember the love of God. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in, the, in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. The greatest love that has been ever, ever been demonstrated is by God who took someone who was absolutely sinful like me and died for me. Thinking about that kind of love will drive us to love one another in the kind of way that we're talking about here. And the last thing I would say is just to pursue love. After everything that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, this is what he says in 14 verse 1 he says pursue love seek it strive after it it's not something that will just happen 
It must be something that you pursue by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God at work in your life. So maybe you're like me and you love very imperfectly. Pursue love. Seek after it. As Paul says, without love driving us, everything's meaningless. It counts as nothing. Let's pray. God, we praise your name. And Lord, I recognize that I love so imperfectly, but God, grant me a deeper love for this body and for every believer. Work in us a tender affection for one another. Work in us a heartfelt commitment and desire for the good of one another. God, let us just joyfully love one another. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.